cliffcentral.com. I'll be on track with the financial pack for my presentation to the board next week. Well, hopefully. The team's very short-staffed, and it's taking such a long time to find a suitable financial manager for the division. We're way behind on all our forecasts and reporting. Why don't you speak to the finance team? They're a consultancy that can help you with an experienced interim financial manager. You can have somebody to help you almost immediately. They'll hit the ground running with no long-term contracts and no upfront placement fees. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel today is Leandi Streter, a business coach and guide from RaceCorp. Welcome, Leandi. Thank you, Richard. Nice to be back. Last week, we did a book review, the first book review of the year for us. Uh, we reviewed the book, Snapshot Your Business, a simple legal guide to entrepreneurs, written by Manisha Prem, a really great show, uh, quite interesting things that we learned there, Leonie. Awesome book, yeah, awesome very practical. Bu- very practical. So if you haven't had an opportunity yet to listen to that podcast, uh, go to our websites and download the podcast, a really great insight for uh, any entrepreneur asking those questions about what I should be doing from a legal perspective in my business. Absolutely. So today we're going to be entering into this interesting world of mentorship, coaching, guiding, <laughs> a number of different word, uh, descriptors of it, of you as an entrepreneur. Joining us in studio as our guests, Mark Peters, an independent strategy consultant. Welcome, Mark. Thanks Thank for, you. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for joining us. And Sue Clitter Hopkins, Partner Elite Manager at RaceCorp. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for being with us, Sue. So I guess the question I have is, what exactly should I be doing? Should I be mentored, coached, guided? The, the, the wording just is so many different descriptors. So I'm going to post this question to my co-host because she, lo- <laughs> she loves this description. She gave, she gave me the chapter and verse, everybody, on how this works. So I'm trusting her on this one. Leandi, what is the difference between a mentor, a coach, and how do I know whether I need one or the other and potentially do I need a consultant or something else in Mm. my business? So let's just define these different things and what they are. So, Richard, I think that's a great question for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially on their journey. So from a mentor's perspective, you would be very much looking at somebody who's got more experience, have been through a journey uh, in a particular discipline. So let's say for argument's sake, you are in a particular industry um, and let's say it's pharmaceutical industry and you would like a mentor in the industry to help you develop your business further. And that is typically by somebody who um, is experienced, has achieved certain things, is either a CEO or a CFO or on an executive level in another company or um, – in a corporate or has um, it has got some kind of business affiliated to what you could potentially be or you are potentially doing. Um, and that very much comes down to a disciplined uh, information-based sort of um, relationship. Then the coaching side is a lot more geared towards uh, people who really want to get out of the way of their own businesses. So uh, if you want to achieve a particular goal or objective, a coach really helps you to unlock value in yourself to where you potentially want to go whether that's personally in a business environment that when you're working for in a business for a business on a management level or whether or not you are an entrepreneur and then on the guiding side of things sue will be able to talk a lot more towards that um, and give insight with regards to that and that's kind of like a dance between um 
coaching, mentoring, uh, but at the same time guiding people really, entrepreneurs, towards um, unlocking business value. Mm. And then that can be discipline-based. Um, Sue will talk a little bit later more about that. Um, but there's various ways that, that you can look at unlocking value in a business. And it's just also very much where you are. Mm. And what you're looking for. Okay, so let me. Maybe the easiest way for us to do this is for for me to set the scene. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I've had my business. It's been running for let's say two years. I'm through that. Let's call it the initial pains where I'm doing every role that you know. I'm chief mm. cook, bottle washer, mm. and put out the trash at the same time. And I've now grown. I've got a staff base that's working with me, and I'm leading the organization towards a, a set of, of goals and objectives. And I look back at where I'm at and I go, well, I've worked really hard over the last two years and everybody told me entrepreneurship would not be easy. So we've, we've kind of, we, we've ticked the I'm not scared box, but I'm kind of feeling the last six months has been a bit of a plateau. I haven't really been gaining those customers that I would, would like to have seen, you know, the next, what I would call the customer notch on the belt. It hasn't, it hasn't kind of stepped up a level. And I kind of feel like I'm, you know, that old wind scenario. I'm, I'm in the doldrums where they, uh, where we're not moving the boat. It's not, it's not doing where, going where I need it to be. And I'm asking myself the question, and I'm going to pose this one to Mark as, you know, should I, should I be going out there and saying, hey, I think I need a mentor to help me as an entrepreneur because I'm not getting the growth I need and I'm looking for growth? You know, how do I know, Mark, whether I'm wanting to do a, a mentorship? You know, is this something in my business that's, you know, I, I guess it's easy. You know, if, you, if the top line's not growing, your instant reaction mm. is it's, the, it's a sales problem. Um, how do I know what I need in terms of a mentor, a mentor role and who I need perhaps is a, is a more important question because I'm sitting here. Let's do me, Richard Angus. How do I know who I should be approaching and, you know, what models should I be thinking about that I potentially need access to? Yeah. Richard, you've asked a typical Richard Angus question. I lost you at the first part of the, uh, um, I think that challenge that you set for a two-year, three, four, five-year entrepreneur is is classic. We don't know what we don't know. And I think the only way to find out is speak to a lot of people, speak to people you trust and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, Leandri's introduction was was important in trying to define the differences. And I think at that stage that you've just outlined, the case study you've given, it would be very hard to know just based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, it would strike me with just that cameo that you gave that that would be a mentorship type role because you're looking for somebody with experience in that particular problem. Mm-hmm. You didn't mention, for instance, that it was life skills they were looking for or presentation skills or um, how do we, how our interpersonal skills, which a coach would probably be better at. And I think the, the best way to deal with that is probably drop some of the words and that's why Sue when she started off today talking about a guide is probably a better word than coaching or mentoring but one of the things that I I do feel is that our entrepreneurs often need just somebody to help them facilitate the challenge that they have at that time Mm. could be an introduction 
It could be part of the network. Sue and I met in another life where part of the deal was networking. Um, and it could be counseling. Um, I mean, the example you've given, um, and we spoke before the show about maybe we're just spending all the money uh, in the business. Mm. Uh, I was a mentor to a guy who uh, owned a BMW dealership. And the first thing he did was to buy a seven series BMW, cost him 25,000 rand a month and depreciating at 20,000 a month. Um, was that the right thing to do when you're starting a business? I don't <laughs> think so. Yeah. So you need somebody who you can trust and respect and, and, and give you a fairly direct response, I think. Now, you know, I, I think about the challenges that one faces as an entrepreneur. And, and I guess my, my question would be, you know, we we can often put those into almost the silos of, <laughs> of issues. You know, there's often the revenue question. There's often the people question. There's often the, I guess the, the and I guess you could go revenue and customer could be be one and the same. But but actually getting your your operations to fly properly. Um, you know, then there's also the the let's call it the question of of managing growth. In and of itself, in terms of a, let's call it an evolving business, and how how fast it evolves. How does one go about finding the right person to address the right silo? Because mm. you know the, these are all very you know there's the financial silo as well. Let me not forget that the cash flow questions, etc. How how does one know where to go for the right advice? perhaps give me some insights here. I love the way this conversation is evolving, Richard, because I was just uh, thinking now as Mark was busy chatting, um, you know, there may be two reasons for seeking out a coach or a guide or a counselor or a consultant. The one may be you're doing well, um, but you could be doing better. So what is it that you need to do to do better? Is it a, a team mm. of people that you need around you? I mean, entrepreneurship is an extremely lonely journey, as we all know as entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, so, you know, who do you need around you to offer you the support and the cheerleading that, that could unlock growth? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I, I love your analogy of the cheerleading because yes. I think often as an entrepreneur, you can see all the stuff that goes wrong. Yeah. Because everybody tells you it's wrong. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> There's very few people that actually will turn around to you as an entrepreneur and say, you know what? Andy, you're doing a great job there, and I'm really so impressed. And you, and you kind of sit there going, oh, "Wow!" You know, like yeah. it doesn't yeah. happen often. No one, no one normally to talk to you. Yeah, they're, 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 you may get feedback via your your customer base, mm. yeah. and you may get feedback via your staff. Um, I don't know any bank manager that phones you up and says. I'm really impressed with this month's cash flow. It's looking good there. <laughs> you know, it, just, it doesn't exist. Um, so, so the the cheerleading, yes. the positive engagement, and yeah. and we all know that yeah. we all react better to positive reinforcement than negative reinforcement. That's human nature. Absolutely. So having that person that can help you, and and interestingly, I think when you've had a little bit of positive reinforcement, then taking some, you know, well, and yeah. you need to focus on the following. Not too bad to swallow that pill. You can swallow that pill because you don't feel like it's all I, all you do is troll me trying to tell me what's wrong in your, in my life kind exactly, of story, you exactly. know, a bit of a Facebook bash kind of, here yeah. it comes. Now, I mean, what makes for a successful mentorship engagement? 
Mark? I mean, maybe help me here. Actually. So let's fo- let's follow the the line. So I think for me, top of the line is your ability to communicate effectively, interpersonal mm. skills. Because if you're not delivering a message that somebody's going to listen to, mm. and with entrepreneurs, we we don't actually a lot of the time like to be told what to do. Mm. So I think you've got to be able to communicate. You've got to be able to, um, I think, be patient, uh, be quite tolerant um, of what's happening and remembering that it's not your business, it's someone else's business. You're in a mentorship. So you're looking um, to, I suppose, have respect for what the person's doing mm-hmm. and respect mm-hmm. for them. And and I suppose lastly, I like Sue's comment about the cheerleading, but it's, it's you know, being able to effectively in, encourage you're not running their business. Mm-hmm. You're not, um, you're not, you, you know, that's not your job. They are running the business. And I think that's a line that a lot of people do uh, cross from I, I, time to as, time. I was going to say, as you say that, I'd like to pause for a moment on that, on that comment. The, it, I think the line of who's running the business actually often gets crossed, not only from the mentor side of things, mm. but often from the mentee. Like, okay, well, you come and do it <laughs> because because right. I'm actually almost checking out here yeah. and 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 I don't I mean I I, I have mentored people uh, uh, over time and I always um, I have to be really careful because of just who I am yeah. if I go into a room to go and observe them operate for example in a in a board meeting or an exco or something like that and I'm sitting in the back corner I mean I I have literally sat down watching a CFO interact. Only to have the CEO turn to me and say, so what's your view on this? I'm like, I'm not here. (laughs) I'm not answering that question. No disrespect, but I'm here to mentor and support your CFO. If you want to ask the question, you should be asking him. And and, and the CEO was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you weren't allowed to answer my question. And I was like, but that's the contract between me as the mentor and the mentees. I'm there for them. I'm not there to do their job. Absolutely, you know? and I, and I think what what was was the worst part was the person in question in that time when the CEO turned to me, also turned to me and yeah. like went give the answer kind of story. I'm like, no, exactly. you give the answer. Yeah, we're looking for a third party support <laughs> for what they do. Yeah, almost the honest broker in the yeah. in, in the room. And I and I think there is a there's obviously a fine line as a, men, mm. a mentor supporting the mentee. And assuming their role and, you know, kind of stepping in there and running their business and running their role, et cetera. Um, but yeah, you've got to be really careful. Richard, regardless of what, ro- what, um, tag you put to it, name, mm-hmm. I think the key issue is contracting upfront and knowing what are the objectives of the relationships exactly. critical. Yeah. And I think the Raise Corp team, they would have to do that more than say somebody like me where it's a little bit more flexible but knowing exactly what the rules of engagement are what the objectives will help a lot with that because the lines get blurred you use the example of the entrepreneur checking out so i've not had that personal experience but i've had a lot of experience where the coaches want to get in and show the guys how to run their business. And I don't <laughs> think, whereas we, 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 the old skills are useful. That's not what it's about. Um, the relationship and contracting is critical up front. So, so the adage, 
I won't tell you how to do it. Just watch what I do. It doesn't apply. <laughs> this is not a do-it-yourself moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're quite uh, specific at Race Corp about not doing. Yeah. Uh, we just feel that it, it totally disempowers the entrepreneur and the entrepreneur learns to sort of depend on you if you start doing too much. And what we really are growing is sustainability in businesses. So once mm. they've finished on the Raise Core program, mm. they've got the confidence, they've got the skills, they've got everything they need to be able to move forward, make their decisions, ask themselves the tough questions that they've been asked over their Raise Corp journey mm. to fly. So okay. that, that's, that's our model and our thinking behind okay. not doing. So what else is critical to make mentorship happen? So for me too, if I may, Leandro, just two very quick things that haven't been mentioned. I think the big one is analytical skills. Mm -hmm. I think that's a skill that we've often lost in our schooling system, the ability to take information and assist with the analytics of that. And then something that we have touched on is observation skills. I think mm -hmm. it's hugely useful to be able to actually hear what somebody's saying to you, to, to be a listener, uh, to be able to analyze that information mm. and, and to understand what the underlying thing is. And, and again, our team would be able to help better with that. But just very quickly, the idea of somebody having a discussion, the, the example you gave, the case study you gave at the start of the show, what is it that they're looking for? Mm. And I think that requires the classic analytical and observation skills. So, yeah, just to add on to that, what's very important, whether or not you're, you join a business incubator or whether you are working with a mentor or whether you're seeing a consultant or whether you've decided to embark on a, on a journey, a coaching journey prior to perhaps going to see a mentor uh, or getting a mentor to help you with specific things is to be very clear as an entrepreneur what growth looks like and defining success up front. What is personal success? What is business success? And then looking for, and it is about having conversations with different people because you don't know what you don't know. And in some instances, also depending on whether or not uh, the entrepreneur is, it depends on the profile on the, of the entrepreneur as well. In certain instances, bringing on board a consultant to help solve a, a, a specific, a very specific problem um, that speaks to, you know, an aspect of the business is very relevant. But sometimes there also the lines get blurred with regards to what the expectations are of the consultant. And I think, of course, as any, you know, as a good consultant, you are going to do business development and canvas more work. Then on the coaching side, it's also what is your personal goals and aspirations for this business and for yourself in order to lead? You mentioned earlier, um, you know, when you're going through a process of business growth and you're going from one phase into the next and you're starting to employ people, there's a leadership aspect. And, you know, it's no longer sort of, you know, we're all equals and we, we get our hands dirty. People are going to start looking for leadership and guidance as well. And they have certain expectations of you as a, as a business owner. And that's when it becomes a very lonely journey. And then um, on the mentorship side, also just being very clear with regards to what you are contracting to. So, being clear up front with regards to expectations. What are you expecting from your mentor? What are you expecting with regards to your goals and objectives from a coach perspective? And then obviously clear consulting objectives to solve a specific problem. And then if you've got a great coach, if you have a great mentor, and if you have a great consultant on board, you know, their accountability is also, okay, what is the scope of work? What are we agreeing to and towards and for how long? And by when do we want to achieve what? Because otherwise this thing becomes indefinite and there's no real, you know, you don't actually get to a point where you get to the next phase of shift. So that's also quite important. 
Richard, following on from the Andrew thing, I think something we don't talk about much is what are the roles and responsibilities of mm-hmm. the mentee? Yeah. Because yes, you know, yeah, we often say this is, yeah, this is yeah, no one-sided conversation. It, it isn't. No, not at all. And mm-hmm. and I think um, you know, obviously, they don't need to follow everything that the mentor is 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 putting forth as a as a solution, but they do have roles and responsibilities in, um, I suppose acting on what has been agreed on and I guess in the incubator role at Ray's and other organizations that's a key issue because if they don't do that the relationship falls down I mean uh, a question I often ask um, on, a, on a program I run is how many times is it acceptable not to pitch for a mentor mentee meeting um, some people will say just one and others will say, no, well, after the third one, I'm not going to do this anymore. So it's issues like that. Um, what are the, you know, to act on and agree, maybe keep a logbook of, of what we've agreed. I mean, online systems, I see Leandria on her phone here. She's well, I keep her, keep her notes on, on the phone mm-hmm. and we're all generationally very different on that. But what works for you? But it's making sure that they're, they're acted on. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think, Almost a defined inputs and outputs and and, and and expectation management is critical. Yeah. Yeah. R- rules of the game. R- yeah, rules of the game so that we know exactly who's going to be doing what, when they're going to do it, when the feedback happens. Mm. Because at the end of the day, unfortunately with most of these things, there's a cost implication. Mm. And you've got to know, hey, I've spent X to get Y outcome. And if I'm not getting the Y outcome ask the question why not yeah. and what needs to potentially change to get the required outcome make no mistake the the requirement to have an outcome doesn't change unless circumstances Absolutely. change significantly um, and they often don't so it's a case of if this isn't working ask yourself the question why not is it the wrong person mm-hmm. is it the wrong are we having a conversation about the wrong thing so it's you know we're pulling on a lever that doesn't isn't actually a lever in the business mm-hmm. so you pick the wrong issue or fundamentally, you're not putting in the effort to get the outcome that you so desperately desire. Mm. I, I'm often amazed that people will say, I really want to make a different or make something or improve something here. Yeah. And then they don't make a single session to improve it. And, it, and it's kind of like, well, you know, it's pretty difficult to fix something when you're not present. And the person or the entrepreneur is the key catalyst in, yeah. in, in change. Mm. And you're Absolutely. going like, how do you expect something to change when you don't have the time to help it move forward and help it to change? So um, that's really interesting when that plays out. Absolutely, Richard. And I think one of the biggest things that you're paying for when you do see a guide or a, or a coach uh, in particular is that accountability, somebody to really be interested, authentically so, mm-hmm. in what it is that you've committed to achieve and by when. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's almost priceless. I just know from my own experience of, seeing a coach for a period of 12 weeks that I actually did achieve what I wanted to achieve out of that session in that uh, my whole career changed mm-hmm. um, into something that for me is very purposeful right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so so following through on those actions that are set is almost mm-hmm. non-negotiable. And then following up on perhaps reasons for not making it happen or um, I didn't do this action uh, because of this reason you know, we can start unpacking those reasons and what's the deeper fear or the deeper underlying uh, reason mm. for your stagnation in your business. Mm. Um, so get to the root cause of what it is that needs to change to catapult you to the success that you really deserve. Yeah. 
Richard, often um, entrepreneurs, we all deal with them in different ways, and many of us around the room are, is that we confuse motion with progress. <laughs> and often, <laughs> often just the, just the, the concept of sitting down in a structured way and talking to somebody about what you want to do and having somebody <laughs> who's good at communicating, often that is just enough. In the example that Sue's given, she sounds like she needed the input of somebody else to, to change trajectory. And, and that's often the case, but sometimes it's just to be able to find somebody who you can spend an hour with and just in trying to elaborate and discuss and elucidate on what you're trying to do, it's helpful. Um, but it brings the issue. For me, Richard, the mentoring has to be, should be a paid relationship. Mm. And this is not a pitch for work that any of us around the table are doing. But I often feel that if, if there's no um, payment, even a nominal amount, the work isn't valued. Yeah. That's a different thing if you're not prepared or you're, you don't have the resources to pay for a mentor. Um, and I guess the 12-week coaching program that Sue went on was paid for. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes a big difference And and because you've had to put into your pocket for both time and money. I think you're more likely to elevate it to being quite a serious thing. Um, anyway, that's just a just a personal view. Okay, well, I think this has been a really great conversation. We're going to take an ad break now, and then we're going to continue with this conversation. Stay with us. Grant, I need to make a critical business decision. We've been expanding rapidly, and my gut feel tells me that we should be investing for growth. But I need to put some financial science behind that gut feel of mine. Don't you have a financial manager or director that can help you with that? But isn't that rather expensive? It doesn't have to be. Why don't you contact the finance team? They're a consultancy that can provide you with a part-time financial manager or director at a fraction of the cost of a full-time resource. Go to thefinancetim.co.za.